0: Hi and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis and I'll be your host for this evening. We're going to be talking about something that uh, we've alluded to and talked a little bit about, but we really haven't gone and just done a clean sweep of everything. Um, And that is honeybee health or diseases. Um, So we're going to go over that today and and hopefully that will help you out. Today we're actually going to be reading from a different book. This is called Beekeeping in Western Canada. Of course being from Western Canada, this is our book from the wonderful government of Alberta and British Columbia and Manitoba and Saskatchewan. yeah, there it's 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 a book from the Department of Making You Sad. So, we will read a little bit from them. It's a very quick overview on everything. So, but it'll introduce you to some of the diseases that bees have and and are affected mostly to the brood. So, let's go over that and before we get to that, we're going to tell you where you can find us. You can find me on um ugh. There we go. That's the paper I'm looking for. You can find me on odyssey.com, O D Y S E -E dot C-O-M, and you look up Friends of Brother Adam. Haven't been doing very much on that lately. However, I'm going to be doing a bit more because I'm going to be publishing a few more of the uh, videos that I have, Um, and I'm going to be taking these podcasts and putting um, some... uh, slides to them and adding them to there as uh, as video casts Um, i am actively looking for another podcasting site that doesn't have the onerous rules and regulations like uh, this one does however you can find me on this one anchor and Chor, and you can find that on anchor.fm or you can go on the app store and download anchor it's by spotify and they have some onerous rules that I don't necessarily like, so I'm looking for a new home. Um, however, in the meantime, here I am. Um, I took a look and noticed that uh, even though I, de- I delete some of the files that I have uh, produced, on Anchor, it doesn't correspond with some of the other apps and so I have some of the uh, not B-podcasts on here that I've done and I've deleted them from this one because I wanted to have just B-podcasts on here. Now, I will probably put uh, different different things on here that are not B-bot, B-podcasts on here, but uh, uh, delete them fairly soon after, so the the people who listen to them quickest get to actually listen to them and the people that don't don't except for on the podcast platforms that mirror from here uh, apparently they don't check back and see which ones have been deleted, so that should be interesting. but when I delete this whole entire thing and you can find my podcasts in different places, that should be an interesting thing to see whether or not it also mirrors and deletes them in other places. Who knows, we'll see. So let's get into our subject, honey bee health. Uh, it's uh, chapter 12, page 129 here in the uh, Beekeeping Western Canada. So we're just gonna steamroll through this and, and I probably won't interrupt this very much for my uh, comments, however. We'll just steamroll through this and, and get a good broad view on everything. Numerous diseases, predators, and conditions affect the health and vigor of the honeybee colony. The beekeeper must know the appearance of healthy bees and brood so that deviations from the norm can be recognized. Knowing the symptoms of common diseases will be worthwhile in diagnosis and treatment. A quick check for abnormal brood and adult appearance and for signs of unwelcome predation is a part of regular colony maintenance. Honeybee Brood Diseases uh, the first one they do is American fowl brood. American fowl brood is caused by a bacterium Bacillus larvae, recently reclassified as Panipatillus larvae vera, V-A-R-R period, larva. It is probably the most serious of all honeybee brood diseases. If unchecked, AFB can spread amongst colonies, causing severe weakening and colony death. Spores of the bacterium remain viable for many years and are capable of causing fresh outbreaks wherever the conditions are favorable. The Provincial Bee Acts were first written mainly to control the spread of AFB and disease inspection programs continue to the present day and expand and expand and expand and expand until they make you sad. Uh, the life cycle and spread of AFB infections begin when the young larva ingests AFB spores along, its, along with its brood food. larvae appear to be the most susceptible when under three days old. As they grow older they become more resistant to infection. Spores germinate and the vegetative forms reproduce in the larva gut migrating into the tissues of the larva and continue to multiply where they continue to feeding on tissue. The bee dies in pre-pupil or early-pupil stage after the cell has been capped. Death is due to toxins released by bacteria which begin to form more spores once the larva tissues have been utilized. The remains of the dead larva hold an estimated 2.5 billion spores. So dead larvae is eventually uncapped by the house bees trying to clean out the cell. In doing so, spores contaminate their mouth parts and spread throughout the hive. From bee to bee to bee, eventually more young larvae and adults themselves are not affected by AFB are now affected by AFB. American fowl brood is spread among colonies through robbing, drifting bees, often a colony weakened through disease, cannot defend itself, and is completely cleaned out by robbing bees, which then carry the AFB spores back to their own colonies. The disease may be also spread by the exchange of equipment among colonies when equalizing colony strength or making up foul or making up brood chambers and even when buying or selling infected equipment. Pollen and honey may carry AFB spores therefore should only be fed to bees when from disease-free colonies. Packaged bees from infected colonies can carry enough AFB spores with them to cause a new outbreak of AFB in the new hive that they're placed in. Symptoms. The larval tissue breakdown at they turn uniform coffee color and lose all resemblance to larva, eventually forming a gooey mass. Since larva dies after capping, the decayed mass is stretching out from the bottom of the cell rather than coiled up in the position of a young larva. At one stage, the dead larva will exhibit some ropiness if drawn out with a toothpick or stick. If this remains. If its remains are not removed they dry into a flat brown or black scale adhering tightly to the bottom of the cell. This scale is the stage containing the dormant spores. Occasionally the pupa tongue remains upright. Uh, Advanced stages of AFB will exhibit a spotty brood pattern. The presence of dark brown sunken and punctured cappings this appearance is due to uncapping of dead larvae by the house bees and due to the queen's reluctance to lay cells containing a scale of a distinctive order which smells somewhat like rotting fish may be present. A positive diagnosis is made by examining dead larvae and scale under a microscope for the presence of AFB spores. Samples for examination may be sent to the Apiculture Office but only if you want an inspection. Samples of dead larvae or scale may be present in wax paper in an envelope or a small piece of comb may be cut out from the suspect frame and sent in a box or other container. I think they actually like it better to be put into a medicine bottle and sealed up so that the spores can't be spread. So, um, The first step in American fowl brood control is to prevent its establishment in colonies. Prevention techniques include purchase of new disease-free equipment, the storage of equipment in B-type buildings, management techniques that minimize robbing and drifting. These antibiotic ox oxytetracycline is useful in both preventing colony breakdown with AFB disease and in treating infected colonies after visible signs of disease have been removed. Oxytetracycline may be fed to colonies as a preventative measure should AFB, turn on the page here, Uh, spores be brought into colonies the disease does not establish itself as long as the effects of the antibiotic are present along with spring and fall feeding oxytetracycline and the beekeeper should regularly examine combs of uncapped brood for discolored larvae the first indication of a disease whatever the combs are to be Exchanged among the colonies, they are checked first and when the brood chambers are made up each comb is carefully examined for evidence of scale or fresh breakdown. When looking for scale, hold the frame with the bottom bar pointing away such, at such an angle that the bottom of the cell is clearly visible. Good light is essential, especially when inspecting dark combs. Sunlight or a 200 or 300 watt bulb are recommended for light sources. Disease colonies require both immediate and long-term treatment. If the disease colony is strong, frames containing infected brood should be removed. The colony treated with uh, oxytetracycline. Uh, Treatment should be given weekly for until six weeks before the honey flow and the dead bees and combs burned. Uh, infected brood comb may be melted down to salvage wax, but must never be exposed to bees in the meantime. Um, so, uh, infected equipment should be operated separately for at least two disease free years. The quarantine yard is treated with oxytetracycline and observed closely. Frames containing honey and pollen are rotated so that stores are used up and allowed, allowing bees to clean out all burned or melted down, um, American fowl brood disease can be controlled and effectively eradicated over, over several years with constant vigilance, regular inspections, removal of infected combs, and appropriate feeding of drugs. Okay, so this drug is kind of expensive, um, and it's very expensive to have the the Uh, inspectors come down yearly to test every single one of your hives to make sure it's not um, infected so literally if you find something like this a lot of beekeepers what they just do is uh, they destroy the colony and burn it and walk away from it they don't treat them Um, also um, the inspectors will do the exact same thing in a lot of places. Some places it gives the inspector something to do and they get all excited. They do tons and tons of paperwork and they call you quite regularly and bug you. And if you aren't doing what they tell you, they put you out of business. <laughs> Happy day. So, um, I, I guess it, it's the same as when you, uh, when you see, a. uh, um a mountain cat or or a cougar or something stalking one of your little farm animals it's shoot bury forget right with this stuff it's uh you find it you make sure that it's the only one that's has that in your in your colonies and you dispose of the hive You get rid of the woodenware, you get rid of the hive, you get rid of the bees in the hive, you get rid of the wax, you don't use it anywhere else. You don't want it to spread. And the tools that you used, that you found out there was American fowl brood in that freaking colony, you dang well better uh, either um, use super bleach or something on them and then afterwards maybe torch them and give them a little bit of flame just to make sure that you're not carrying any spores from hive to hive to hive. Um yeah American foul brood when you find it it's it's bad, and it's one of the things that I get upset about the department of making you sad um flaming your whole entire uh brood boxes and and honey boxes and everything but honestly you you really have to look at it now. I have a concept that I call a leper colony, so I have a uh, farmers field that I have use of and I let the farmer know that I don't really put a lot of hives in that area so if there's not any hives it's not because I'm not using it it's just I don't have any use for it at that time and I will let him know when I put something in there I don't tell him that it's my leper colony of course but I just tell him I'm going to be putting stuff in there and uh, it's usually out in the middle of nowhere and no hives around and so if I have any hive that's diseased at all I pack it up put a screen on the front window front uh, um, entrance and close up the entrance so that it's only ventilation and I transport that hive out to the leper colony and then out there is where I do all my treatments and everything uh, from lowest treatment to maximum treatment and uh, you know if the colony ends up dying in the meantime oh well so then before I bring that hive box back into my apiary. I'll go through and uh, bleach it and then char the inside of it. I'll remove all the wax, everything and and just start over, right? And uh, char and bleach the... bleach and char the the frames and everything inside. Just kind of give it a a nice browning or charring and then uh, put it back into use um the frames you know what frames are are fairly cheap and inexpensive and a lot of times what i'll do is i'll just use them as firewood after that um but uh um yeah you char and and bleach the outside boxes the woodenware and any tops or lids or anything that you have going and uh it's not the outsides that you need to worry about it's the insides you need to worry about but you do bleach and, and scrub the outsides just for Kicks and giggles, so yeah, yeah you got to be serious with some of these diseases. Um, it's not something that I like to see happen, but with American fowl brood and European fowl brood, uh, you might as well just just get rid of it, burn the colony, get rid of it. So it's unfortunate, but it's better you doing it than the Department of making you sad, because even if the Department of making you sad does come out and flame your colony. Um, they'll be out for the next six years inspecting your hives and everything. So, essentially, put you out of business. They'll put you on a, a no sell list, so you won't be able to sell anything from your apiary. You know, essentially, you, you work on uh, uh, maintaining your hives, and just for the next six years, you just maintain, you can't sell anything, which would put many businesses out of business if they had a six year moratorium on selling or doing anything. <laughs> right? So a lot of these things are, are fire and forget. Um, and uh, you just take care of your own business and you leave the department of making you sad out of things, right? So much for just reading the book. <laughs> On to European fowl brood. European fowl brood is a brood disease that is associated with a complex of bacterial organisms. The bacterium Melissococcus pluton, formerly streptococcus pluton, white, is the main causative organism which, while secondary bacteria such as Bac- Bacillus avioli, enter the f- and feed on the tissues of the dead larva, EFB is not usually serious brood disease, although under certain conditions it can be quite severe. So with all of these things, if you suspect that there's a disease, that's a good reason for you to throw on something to protect your respiratory system as well, right? Good, uh, good uh, PPE to have on. So when you find it, drop everything, you go put on your respirator or your, uh, not your respirator, your, your mask that has the filters on it, and then you go back and go through it and do what you need to do. Uh, the life cycle and effects of European fowl brood. Typically, EFB kills young larvae less than 48 hours old, but occasionally older larvae may also die. The bacterium is di- ingested with the brood food and multiples in the larval gut, occupying the space between the food and the gut lining, completing or competing with the larvae for food. So it's more like a parasite than an actual bacterial infection. Within five days, the larval mid gut is full of bacteria, which effectively starve the larva. Nurse bees will inject some of these larvae that have abnormally high demand for food, or will eject some of these larvae that have abnormally high demand for food. So they know something's wrong with them, so they'll grab a hold of them, fly them out of the hive, and drop them. Larvae infected with the European fowl brood generally die in the curled stage before capping occurs, although some death occurs after capping as well. While cleaning out the cells, house bees become contaminated with M plutonium and pass it on to other adults and larvae. If the larval remains are not removed, they will dry into a scale and be a source of future infection. Um, the disease can spread from colony to colony through robbing and drifting, exchange of hive equipment, feeding pollen from disease colonies, and installation of infected packages similar to the spread of AFB. So um, are you starting to catch some of the uh, safety things that you have to have in place in order to not transplant some of these things? Um, Things like having tools that are particular to that particular hive you know having a, having a hive tool that stays with hive number six <laughs> having ha, having uh, brushes like uh, bee brushes that you brush bees off of uh, um, call, uh, off of frames with you you can use a hive particular bee brush. Um, if you're doing any cutting or anything as far as like making um, uh, making circular round uh, cuts of brood, so that you can turn them upside down and make them into queens, I can't remember the process of what it's called, but uh, cutting out little little holes in in the in the frame in the brood wax. Um, if you're doing that maybe you have one particular for that hive it doesn't cost that much to have extra or make extra tools for each hive would be a good idea you know kind of thinking about it but if you don't have diseases don't worry about it right? <laughs> <laughs> um, European fowl brood appears in colonies primarily in spring and early summer the onset usually coincides with the first nectar flow if disease is severe it may prevent the colonies from reaching full strength in time for the main nectar flow stretches stresses such as brood nest expansion inclement weather um, spring weather and moving colonies for pollination may be factors involved with the appearance of European Fowl brood. symptoms because the larva usually dies before capping dead larvae curled and contorted then turn yellow and brown in addition the trachea or breathing tubes may become apparent in each segment alongside along the sides as silvery lines um, larval scale retains the curled shape and is easily removed from the comb As opposed to AFB scale which adheres to the cell wall. In severe cases spotty brood pattern and sour odor may be present. Some death does not or does occur in stretched out stage and these larvae may resemble larvae killed by AFB so care must be taken to distinguish between the two diseases by searching for more definite symptoms. in page here. Uh, heavily infected colonies should be isolated, leper colony, and equipment quarantined and kept separate. Frames containing more than a few infected larvae may be removed and destroyed since Oxytetracycline is effective against European as well as American fowl brood. Disease colonies are treated with oxytetracycline and are marked for further inspection and treatment. Okay, so generally doing what I talked about earlier. Alright, on to the next one. Oh, by the way, if you're in Alberta, I don't know about the other provinces, but Alberta, in order to get any of these antibiotics or or treatments for animals, you have to have something called a PID, and what that is, is uh, you've registered your farm or apiary location with the government, and so when you go to the store and you buy, let's say... uh, um, Oxytetracycline, that goes into the computer under your PID, and that triggers the Department of Making You Sad to give you a phone call and say, oh, hey, I noticed you got some bee medicine. How come? Right? And then you got to explain to the Department of Making You Sad what it was that you got it for. And they're like, oh, we'd really love to come down and visit you. So. Then you get six years of nice visits from the department of making you sad. So anyways, um, that's something that needs to happen in order to get the medicine as your PID and uh, in other places I know uh, you can't get a lot of these medicines unless you go through a veterinarian and a veterinarian will come out and inspect your hive and a veterinarian will write you the prescription. Um, Sometimes you can get these prescriptions on the DL but uh i'm telling you right now um that's pretty damned hard even if you get something like uh fish oxytetracycline okay um you still have to put it in a in a method that they would pick up and ingest so it's a little difficult if you were to do something um something so illegal as something like that however um that does not trigger a visit from the department of making you sad um chalk brood um, is the next thing we're going to be covering chalk brood was first discovered in canada yay, in 1971 since then the disease has spread across the country and is found in every province and this is just to show you that the department of making you sad can't stop these diseases so why the freaking hell are they trying it spread across the whole entire damned country. Chalk brood often increases in intensity in the spring and early summer causing increased brood mortality, but only rarely is it severe enough to cause economic impact. Chalk brood is often associated with increased stress on the colony, such as increased brood rearing and inclement weather. Chalk brood is caused by a fungus, so not bacteria, fungus, it's called Ascoferra apis massin ex Olive et spiltor, is the people who, who reported that, um, and uh, which has female and male forms. Either form can infect and kill bee larvae, but both forms must present for spores to be produced. The spore is dormant, resting or dormant resting stage. Spores are ingested by larva which is most susceptible to the disease at 3 or 4 days of age. Germinate in the digestive tract, growth of the vegetable form, the mycelium occurs out of the hind end of the gut <laughs> and so they grow mushrooms out of their ass. <laughs> oh lord. Um, once the larva has been capped over, the dead pre-pupa looks white and puffy at first, but then quickly dries down to a hard and shrunken chalk-like mummy, white or gray to black as spores are formed on its surface. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, chalk brood is a disease that is commonly appears when the colony is under stress from other factors. A high level of spores may be present with no symptoms of the disease occurring in a strong and otherwise healthy colony whereas weak colony may break down. The incidence of chalk brood varies from year to year and region to region. In most cases the colony shows only a few chalk brood mummies in the late spring and the symptoms disappear in the summer. However, some colonies may have mummies in brood combs are in the bottom board and front of the hive with corresponding decrease in amount of capped brood so you find those on the bottom board or you find those in in the in the um, in the wax combs um, it's best just to take the whole entire comb yeah I know you might be uh, dooming the uh, colony to collapse because you're taking away all their babies but you take away whichever combs are are affected and you sweep out and uh, uh, sanitize bottom boards that have that on there go through your whole entire colony and give it a good sweep and and cleaning make sure there's nothing there and then um, you might want to consider rotating out the frames from the brood chamber and putting them up putting you know, active brood up above the um, a queen excluder and allowing the brood to hatch out and then taking that frame and instead of allowing them to put uh, honey into it, just start rotating the frames out of the hive after they've emptied a brood and uh, just decide to uh, recycle the frame and, and uh, you know, super bleach it and and take all the wax off of it prior to returning it to the uh any any hives okay so and since uh, frames are fairly inexpensive if you have the means to get new frames, that might be something that you you know serve to your chickens and allow them to eat eat the the wax and whatever broods left in the frame and then throw the frame out you know but if you're if you're uh, trying to pinch pennies then then you do what you can to uh, bleach and maybe flame a little bit the uh, the frame and then you can put it back into a hive later on but again this is uh, <laughs> this is vegetative not, not, a, um, not a, a bacteria so it will have spores in it right so you're gonna have to flame it to kill the spores uh, no chemicals registered in Canada for use against chalk brood, thank gosh. As with other stress-related diseases, proper management and strong healthy honeybees are the best means of prevention and control of chalk brood. Spores may be spread via adult and immature bees, the queen, pollen and equipment from affected hives, which is why we do um, three to five year removal of frames anyways. We want to make sure that we get rid of any spores that may be embedded in the uh, um, wax and just, you know, move them out, melt down the wax, get rid of the rest, and, and uh, rehab the frames and bring them back in. A shipment of queens and packaged bees throughout the United States and Canada has been suggested as one explanation. So the Department of Making You Sad doesn't know how this originated. <laughs> makes gives you so much faith in the department of making you sad um so they they think possibly uh bad shipment was what the cause of it pollen for feeding back to bees should not be trapped from colonies with chalk brood or any other disease old brood combs with a high number of mummies may be destroyed and sheltered apiary sites with good air drainage should be used poor ventilation and moisture accumulation may be avoided by the addition of an upper entrance and to winter colonies severely affected colonies may be killed or requeened. some genetic susceptibility may exist so genetic susceptibility would be the queen problem so they don't even know if it's a queen problem or if it's something that they brought into the hive or if it's brought by bees that come from another colony who have been infected with this these spores they just don't know or if these spores are naturally occurring in the environment on the flowers and the bees go visit the flowers and bring it back in the pollen. Mm, Don't know, right? So, um, but uh, one good placement of the hive entrances is very important in this, causing less stress on the bees and sometimes disobeying the department of making you sad and allowing the bees to choose the shape of the comb if you have a colony that is suffering this, if you give them more of uh top bar idea, where they decide to make their own combs and, and twist them and turn them in the way that they want to, if you can get them through one or two seasons that way, I'd imagine, you know, as you're uh, rotating out the, the brood chambers and stuff, You'll eventually get rid of all the spores in the hive, so but allowing them to shape their own um, interior of the colony to to stop the movement of air and the movement of uh, too much moisture might be the might be the actual answer to this. you know doing something that the department of making you sad doesn't approve of might actually be the 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 way to, to take care of this and get it out of the colony. Next one's called sack brood. Sack brood is a viral disease of the brood that tends to appear in colonies in the spring and early summer. Are we starting to notice a little <laughs> pattern here? Um, Symptoms include uncapped, partly uncapped dead larvae, pre-pupa scattered throughout the brood area, cap cells in area where the brood has emerged, sac brood might be mistaken for foul brood because the larva changes color from white to a darker color as it begins to die. Closer examination of dead inv- individuals will reveal that they have not sunk into the bottom of the cell but instead appear bloated if carefully removed from the cell sac brood larva retains its shape it is not possible to remove larva dying of foul brood from a cell intact so that's the difference if you reach in with the tweezers and grab the larva out and it and it goes and then is there a little bit of a string that's american foul brood if they, you grab it and you pull it out, and it comes out as a larva that's dead, then this might be sac brood. But and again, without looking in a microscope, you really don't know. Um, with sac brood larva, the skin is hardened and leathery and appears to be fluid-filled. The head changes color to a dark. Turning the page. Uh, to a dark brown, followed by a darkening of the rest of the body. There's no gooiness or ropiness with sack brood in contrast to foul brood. So it, it's a quite marked coloring of the um, one, one side of the body. He's got a black little pointy area. <laughs> so I guess that's probably the head, right? Yeah, that's the head. So um, a very blackened head to the larva. There is no chemical treatment for sac brood, as with all honeybee diseases, management techniques that minimize stress will help. Sac brood virus apparently only infective for a short time, breaking the brood cycle may therefore break the disease cycle. Heavily infected colonies may be requeened with sus- with less susceptible stock. Alternatively, the queen can be placed in a cage and prevented from brood rearing for 3 to 5 days. While the sac brood disease is not considered serious, occasional severe outbreaks have been reported. Okay, so some of the some of the things that we've s- talked about before, some of the ways of of taking care of this would apply for this one as well. Next one, adult diseases. So we've stopped talking about the brood, now we're talking about the ones that we know that are adult orientated. Um, On several of these last ones they've suggested that maybe if you change the queen this will stop. They don't know whether or not it's a sexually transmitted disease for the queen or a genetic disease for the queen and and I think that speaks volumes about the Department of Making You Sad they don't even know what causes these diseases in a lot of times. Uh sometimes they do and you can actually see it under a microscope. Other times they just they haven't got a clue. They're like, oh, these are the symptoms. <laughs> la, 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 la. Yes, you must you must wear a fall and worship us. The department of making you sad. Um so yeah, these guys uh, I don't, as you can tell, I don't really have too much respect for them. Um, yes, some of them have master's degree in um, insectology or whatever the, the the area of study is. And, and they come out and and they sit behind their computer screens except for when they're informed that something is happening. And then they shit themselves with excitement and run out to your place and and fuck up your day. So... Excuse the terms, but I really love those people. Um, Nosema disease. Adults, honeybee disease called Nosema is is essentially bee diarrhea. It is a disease caused by single-celled protozoan. So it's a single-celled organism that infects your bees. (laughs) Nosema apis zander. Is what it's called. Because Nosema affects adult honeybees, it is not easily detected as some brood diseases that exhibit decaying larvae or ropiness, foul odors, or other notable symptoms. But it does have a stinky odor. It does. Um, the beekeepers often unaware colonies are suffering from nosema until the disease is well established and the damage done. Yet nosema has been described by some authors as being put more economically damaging than all other bee diseases in North America put together. Nosema disease affects every segment of the beekeeping industry from the queen and package producers to crop pollinators and honey producers. Okay, so... Let's take a look and see if the Department of Making You Sad actually knows what's causing this, Um, how it's transported, how things happen. Let's let's just take a look. They might surprise me. (laughs) The dormant stage of Nosema apis is a long-lived spore that is resilient to dehydration and temperature extremes. Spores ingested by the adult bee and pass through the honey stomach into the ventriculus or true stomach the spore there the spores germinate and enter the cell of the gut lining where they multiply and eventually fill each cell with new spores these cells are then shed into the ventriculus and burst releasing the spores to invade new cells and pass out of the bee in its feces now Didn't it just say that that it is caused by a protozoan, so a single-celled organism? And yet here they're talking about spores. Maybe the spore grows into a protozoan. Who knows? Should defecation occur within the hive, the spores are picked up by house-cleaning bees and spread to other bees during food sharing. Once flying winter... Flying weather prevails. Infected bees will defecate or die away from the hive, thereby lessening the chances of infecting the other bees. Honeybee colonies are most susceptible to Nosema when the population is small or made up of old bees. When the replacement is slow, colonies are susceptible in the early spring in wintered colonies. In the first month after hiving packages. The incidence of the disease varies through the year uh, with a major peak in the late winter and spring, low levels during active summer season, and a gradual buildup to fall. Nosema impairs the digestive process and causes premature aging and death in worker bees. Essentially, infected bees starve to death because they cannot digest any food. Nosema causes hypo pharyngeal glands which produce pollen-rich royal jelly to atrophy thus brood rearing is curtailed hmm severely infected bees look swollen and act as if they're in a stupor crawling about the hive or in front of the hive with wings unhooked so the bees have the ability to unhook the uh, um, the musculature underneath the wings away from the wings and they can move the musculature creating heat or they can reattach it to the wings and and create flight with their wings. So they're saying they, they crawl about in the hive or in front of the hive with wings unhooked. So they're not flapping their wings or anything, they're just making heat. Nosema can be found in drones and and the queen will cause degeneration of the queen's ovaries resulting in a supersedure or queenlessness. Nosema is probably a major cause of queen supersedure in packaged colonies. These effects on the queen and the workers will lead to a dwindling of the adult population curtailing brood rearing and queen problems in all of which lead to reduced honey yields. It's all about the honey. Um, diagnosis and treatment of and prevention of Nosema. So they've told us that Nosema is a spore and also that it is a protozoan. Oh my gosh. Um, Diagnose, treatment, prevention of nosema. The only pos- positive diagnosis of nosema disease is to examine the contents of a bee's digestive tract for the presence of spores. Examination may be done by the beekeeper under a compound microscope or a sample of bees may be sent to the Apiculture Office sampling procedure described later on in the section. The antibiotic fumigillin fumigil- is effective against Nosema apis in both packaged and wintered colonies. A combination of good management and regular use of Fumagillin will keep Nosema incidents to a minimum. So they're suggesting, hey, there's this drug that stops this, so use it prophylactically. Hmm. Put drugs in your hive even if they're not sick. <laughs> The best natural defense is a strong, healthy colony with a prolific queen and plenty of young bees to replace any dying bees. Food stores must be adequate at all times. Apiary sites should be sheltered from wind and have good air drainage. Nosema may be present in packages shaken from infected hives or colonies. To ensure against Nosema outbreak and queen problems, Fumagillin, Fumagillin or Fumagillin, I don't know which, should be used in and fed in syrup to newly hive packages. Control Nosema disease in overwintering operation will take a minimum of two years of feeding medicated syrup in the fall to repress spring outbreaks. With fumigillin spore levels will drop each spring until the disease level is not economically damaging. Further feeding fumigillin each fall will cause or will keep Nosema in check. To control the disease of colonies should be given Fumagillin in the fall feed. The medicated syrup will be stored in the combs and retain an antibiotic activity throughout the winter, suppressing the buildup of spores, preventing spring outbreak of disease. The best time to sample overwintered colonies for the presence of Nosema spores is in the March April period. At this time, Nosema spore levels will be at their highest sampling. Also, sampling may be done in early fall. Every colony may be sampled if the beekeeper owns a few colonies. Otherwise, every second or third colony in the yard is sampled. This sampling is done by blocking the entrance for a few moments and picking off about 10 bees and placing them in a container or placing them directly in alcohol, rubbing alcohol, or ethanol. It is not necessary to keep the bees from each colony separate. Field bees taken rather than house bees, field bees... So ones coming in from the field are taken rather than house bees. So you don't go inside and scoop up a bunch of bees and and kill them. It's the ones coming in from the outside that you want to sample. Samples are sent in cardboard containers or in alcohol to apiculture office immediately upon collection. Plastic bags, prescription bottles. See, that's, that's what they're actually asking for. Or so on should not be used as they allow development of other organisms that break down bee tissues and obscure the presence of nocema spores Hmm. interesting okay so i learned something here too from what they want um results of the diagnosis can be used predict the need for fall feeding of fumigillin in that yard only, or to the whole operation. So, if you if you put it in alcohol in a prescription bottle, you would think that would work, right? I don't know. Okay, but maybe uh, maybe they don't want you to put it in a prescription bottle without alcohol in it because they might like turn rotten something else might grow who knows all right so bee paralysis symptoms of bee paralysis are only occasionally noted by beekeepers generally in a single colony in an apiary adult worker bees appear hairless greasy and shiny and black with disjointed wings and extended abdomens they are unable to fly they seem to have some paralyzed legs and exhibit crawling or trembling behavior healthy bees attempt to remove the crawlers from the hive and large numbers of dead and dying bees may be around the hive entrance this disease is caused by a virus and there is a variability in genetic resistance by honeybees to virus infections thus requeening will likely clear up the disease in the affected uh, colony. Alternatively, if the colony is terribly weakened, the bees may be destroyed. A bee paralysis is one of the econo- one of little economics importance in Canada and is rarely seen. So I want to to give you a heads up. This bee paralysis, they don't really know what's going on there. Um, one of the things that I have seen that that mimics bee paralysis is if you're using a bee vacuum to suck up bees and your your vacuum pressure is a little too high um the same you see the same things you see that they appear greasy because uh and and slimy because they threw up their bee stomach and it's all over everybody everybody throws up on everybody and because of the pressure change it permanently Hurts the bees, and they crawl out of the hive, and they they're shaking and shivering as they crawl out of the hive, and then they slowly crawl away from the hive and die. So I've seen I've actually injured some of my bees with a, a vacuum that I was rescuing bees, and I and I turned the vacuum up too high, and that caused that. So, but they also say that there is some sort of disease that the symptoms are similar in, in that so hmm interesting uh, anomalies in colony condition the honeybee colony may show conditions not caused by disease organisms but that of superficially or that may superficially resemble foul broods. Close examinations should always be made of brood or of adults that do not appear healthy to distinguish between disease symptoms and symptoms of any of the following conditions: gas brood. When colonies are intentionally destroyed using calcium cyanide, the uncapped brood may be killed, or by either cyanide by sub subsequent chilling or starving cap brood is somewhat protected from cyanide fumes and often hatches out after the adults have been killed dead brood darkens and degenerates and may look as though it does died of disease but there when there is doubt take samples and you can look under the microscope yourself or you can send it to the apiculture office for examination so i don't I don't really don't know why you'd gas your own hives other than just destroying all the bees and getting rid of them, I guess. Maybe it's better than burning the hive. (laughs) Don't know. Um, Starvation. Hey, if you guys know any of this, you can contact me and correct me at fatbeehoneyranch at gmail.com, by the way. Um... Starvation. Starvation, especially common in the spring buildup period, both adults and broods will suffer if there's not enough food in the hive or lack of food or a reduction in adult numbers will cause house bees to remove brood from the combs, eat it or drop it in front of the hive entrance. So they're eating it for the protein. A pollen shortage may be recognized too late by the presence of dead pupa in front of the hive. Severe food shortage will cause starvation in the adult population. Slow-moving and trembling bees, along with empty honey frames, signify the colony is on the verge of death. Once the bees show these symptoms, they take a long time to recover. Dying bees crawl headfirst into cells where they remain after death. Warm 2 to 1 sugar syrup could be sprayed over the bees in empty combs next to the cluster to revive starving bees. Starvation can be easily prevented, first by supplying adequate food stores before winter, secondly supplying more food in the spring or whenever it is necessary. Early spring checks must be made to determine when feeding will be necessary. The colony should have at least 14 to 18 kilograms, five or six honey frames at all times a lack of capped honey at any time especially during brood rearing period period means the colony must be fed immediately the adult population can starve in as little as 12 hours and something that happens with bee colonies that doesn't happen elsewhere um, in in some populations of, of uh, um, livestock is sometimes they're able to Put a little bit, you know, push a little bit of food away so that they have it for a little bit later and they eat a little bit and then eat a little bit and then, you know, they they stretch it out. Um, Bees are not like that. Bees will eat, eat, eat as the need um, presents itself and when they run out of food, they run out of food. So, um, and you have to be aware of where their food stores are so that you can overcome this by internal feeding in the beehive or external feeding. Um, And like they say, if you find that there are a bunch of bees that are just going really slow and they're not doing very good, um, it's like any uh, bumblebee that that is kind of running out of juice. If you put a little bit of uh, uh, sugar syrup in your hand, the bee will go over and start drinking it and then regain its energy fairly quickly and be able to fly away. With honeybees, it's the same thing. You can get a little spray gun that you only use for sugar water and you can mist them and it gets on them and, of course, then they'll start licking themselves off and start recovering. And what I would do is I would just mist the uh, um, um, combs around them too so that there's a little bit of... uh, um, Liquid in in the combs so that they can go and grab that, and then I would start. You know, I get a pail of of sugar water, and just turn it upside down on the hive um, through a, a feeding hole in in the top of the hive, and just let them drink themselves silly. So that's what I would do. Okay, and they have dysentery here. Honeybee adults normally void their feces in flight. They do not defecate when confined to the hive. If bees are confined over a long period they are feeding on poor quality food stores such as canola honey or crystallized canola honey for winter stores uh, including frames of high moisture or granulating honey, burnt honey, milk honey dew or syrup made from other refined sugars. So, um this is another time when they get bee diarrhea, um and uh they poop themselves to death. So, I have a colony right now that had bee diarrhea on the front of the hive. I'm pretty sure it's dysentery, but I, you know, you just don't know uh whether it's dysentery or nosima. Um so I would have to scrape off a sample and put it under a microscope and and take a look at it. Um, this particular type dysenteria, B diarrhea, it, uh, is caused by bad food, um, and, uh, inability to eat particular types of honey that has crystallized. Um, and, uh, so, you know, you have to, you have to see what's going on and then, um, make some educated guesses. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. That's a, a quick once-over of some of the internal diseases on bees. We'll be talking about mites and and uh, uh, hive beetles and that kind of stuff later on. Uh, we'll just do another quick overview of some of those things. And hopefully it will uh, give you a taste of what you're looking at. Um, I would suggest that you guys go out and get some books about bee diseases, it would really probably help you understand that. Also, uh, I know there are several beekeepers who um, have made up flashcards with pictures um, and laminated those flashcards. Some are really high-tech and fancy and they're charging you know $100 for their little flip card thing and some are you know pretty low-tech but informative and the beekeepers are charging a pittance, just enough to cover their their raw materials costs so um yeah if you can find something like that and put that into your bag for bees um that's a great thing to do um thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed what you listened to make sure that you uh uh subscribe and give me a uh, check mark or five stars or whatever it helps bring people to this podcast so that more people can hear it and it helps out my fragile male ego um and hopefully we'll get you out another uh another podcast here very soon thank you guys for listening and we'll talk with you later